if you are here for the first time, um, we're going to, I'm going to attempt to do something that uh, I don't think I've ever done before, but um, as I was reading through the story of Christmas and meditating on unto us the child is born, unto us the son is given, I, I went back and I started reading the whole entirety of, of scripture and how the story of Christmas fits in the history of the world. And so as I was reading that, I was overcome with an appreciation for the love that God has for us. And, and to really appreciate the love that God has for us, we have to see how long he loved us and what he loved us through. And so what I'm going to try to do this morning is I'm going to try to squeeze the whole Bible into the sermon, and we're, we're just going to go for three hours this morning. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, but I, I want to, a lot of times we try to get scripture and we try to get God's story and fit it into our own. But what I want to do is I want to fit our story into the vastness of the story of God. And so I'm going to start from the beginning, and we're going to go through scripture and just highlight what God did in his pursuit, his relentless pursuit of humanity, his relentless pursuit of you, and his relentless pursuit of me, that he was never, he was not for a second, did he ever think of rejecting a creation that rejected him, but he gave his all. And I, I want to communicate that this morning so that we can appreciate the gift of Christmas. Can we do that this morning? Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the gifts that you gave us, for your relentless pursuit of love for every single one of us. God, I pray that, that you would help us to go outside of our box of time, outside of our box of just our lives, and to see the world through your perspective and through what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do in the future. God, we open up our hearts and our minds to you this morning to receive a perspective that's bigger than our own lives so that we can appreciate the, the vastness of your love for us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. I can't cry. I shouldn't do that because I'm old now and I have to like use glasses and I can't read through tears. So pray for me. Just say, God help him. Control himself. Okay. Um, so we're going to start from the beginning. And the story of the, the, story, the reason why we need to cover all of this history is because God is love. And in Corinthians, it says the first definition of what love is. Love is patient. Love is patient. And, and to really appreciate the vastness of the love of God, we have to see how patient he has been. And so... The Bible starts 4,000 years ago, and you can go to the first slide, 4,000 years ago, and the story that we, when I, when I type in into Google, the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, all you see are pictures of Adam and Eve getting kicked out of the garden, and they're all sad, and God is like this bad God, like saying, go. You know, how many of you have that story in your mind that we were rejected at the garden? But how many of you know that we were not rejected at the garden? We rejected him. He loved us, he created us, he put us in the perfect place, and instead of saying, we want, to, we want to put you first, we want to follow you, we want to have a relationship with you, it was man who rejected God. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, let us have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, 
over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male, female. He created them. And if you read through the genealogy of Scripture, this was only 4,000. Everyone say 4,000. 4,000 years ago. 4,000 years ago, mankind, humanity, rejected their creator. But God didn't give up. God said, so you can go to the next slide. And the Lord God commanded the, the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you will surely die. And what do you think man did? What do your kids do when you tell them you can do anything but don't do that? They do that. And that's what man did. He did that, and there was a separation. Mankind rejected their creator. But God did not give up. Everyone say, God did not give up. He has relentless love for us. Fast forward 2,000 years, and God, instead of starting all over again with a different creation, he calls a family. So 2000 BC, he calls a family through the life of Abraham. So God reaches out to Abraham and he says, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in, all, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is God's continuous promise to his people is that he's reaching out continually. No matter how much we rebel, no matter how much we pursue our own things, he's there and he says, I want to bless you. I want to make you great. I want to bless the world through your life. How many of you want to serve a God like that? And so he reaches out to Abraham and he reaches out to a family. Abraham has Isaac. Isaac has Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel and they end up going into Egypt, and they, be, they were enslaved for 400 years, but at, in their enslavement, they multiplied and they grew from a family to a nation. And so now God has his special people, his nation of Israel set apart for himself. And as they come out, he delivers them through Mo, the hand of Moses, delivers them out of, out of Egypt. And in Deuteronomy, this was God's charge now to this nation that he loved and that he revealed himself to and that he called his own. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Let's read it together. With all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, so it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, Houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware 
lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are all around you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. This is, in our house, we're constantly telling our kids of what God did in our lives. And we tell it to the point where they say, I already heard that. And then we say, I don't care. <laughs> You're going to hear it again. And I'm so encouraged when I hear, like, Matt Higo is telling me that he tells his kids, this is my story of how I met God. And he tells him, tells them the story of when he was on the ocean fishing and God showed up when he prayed. And then he rehearses the stories of his kids, like, Brayton, this is your story. You remember the dog that you prayed for that got lost and then God helped you find your dog? And like all the different stories of God's faithfulness, we rehearse with our kids. Why? Because we want them to love the Lord our God with their whole hearts and not be swayed by what happens in the world. So God was rejected by humanity and instead of rejecting humanity, he formed a family that turned into a nation, and he blessed this nation, and he, he, he said, I'm going to give you all of these blessings. And so he fulfilled his word. If you go to Joshua 21, fast forward, they go into the promised land, they overtake all of their enemies, and now every single one of these 12 tribes, they all have their own, inherit <coughs> their own inheritance, and they're resting in the land with no enemies. And this is what's recorded in Joshua 21. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all he had sworn to their fathers. And not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand, not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. Isn't that awesome? So to woo the hearts of this nation, he promises them goodness. He promises them blessing. And not only does he promise it, he fulfills it. And not one word that he, that he spoke failed and everything that he promised came to pass. Isn't that a good God? Isn't that a God that you would want to serve? Do you think that they served him after he did that? Let's look at what happened. 1,000 BC, the nation that he creates rejects him. He blesses them. He delivers them from their enemies. He gives them the land. And instead of honoring God as king, they said, you know, all the other guys, they have kings they don't have a God. They have, they have kings. And we want a king too. And so this is what's recorded in Samuel. And he said, look, this is the nation of Israel. They're telling Samuel, look, you are old. That sucks, right? How would you like your kids like, looking at you and saying, man, you're old? My kids do that all the time. Bad, bad kids. Um, look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, 
And the Lord said to Samuel, and this is the kind of Lord that we serve. He says, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. So a thousand years, a thousand BC before Christ, God gives to Israel what they want. They don't want him. After all that he's done for them, they want a king. So God gives him a king, Saul. Gives him a great king, David. Gives him another king, Solomon. And Solomon becomes the greatest king that Israel has ever seen. Builds the nation to the apex of what it was, a world power in that day. And Solomon becomes the greatest, wisest king that ever lived. The richest king that ever existed. And this is how the king now. So the nation rejects God. God gives them a king. What do you think the king is going to do? God gives everything then to the king so that the king can reign over this nation. And he starts off great. He starts off giving God everything, offering sacrifices, abundant in his praise to God, more extravagant in his offerings than any king that ever went before him. But at the end of his life, the riches were too much, the power was too much, the fame was too much. And this is what's recorded of the king that was over the nation of God. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to, to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after these gods, these different gods, and Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not follow the Lord as his father David. And so now the king that God put over the nation, rejects God as well. How many of you, if you're God, would say, cancel this? I'm over this. I've given them everything, and they still don't want me. And so, as the nation rejects God, the nation rejects God, God says, okay, I'm going to lift my hand off of you. And it's recorded in 600 B.C., before Jesus comes, that both Israel and Judah are led into exile. The Assyrians and the Babylons take over their land, and they, the way that the, the Assyrians and the Babylonians did it back in that day was whenever they took something over, they had to remove the people from their land or they would be a threat to their government. As long as they displaced the people, the people would not threaten them. And so they displaced all of the Israelites, and they did not have land and they were killed, and they were slaughtered, and they were moved from their land that God had so generously given them years before. This is a pen, uh, a written document of Jeremiah the prophet during the time of exile. And this is what Jeremiah says. He says, Oh, my soul, my soul, I am pained in my very heart. My heart makes a noise in me. I cannot hold my peace because you have heard, Oh, my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war, destruction upon destruction is cried, for the whole land is plundered. Suddenly, my tents are plundered and my curtains in a moment. So God lifts his hand off Israel. Israel loses everything. And as they lose everything, they start crying out to God once again. If you had a boyfriend or girlfriend or a husband or wife 
that you gave everything to, and instead of being loyal to you and faithful to you, they went after something that they thought was better. Would you take them back? If they pleaded with you and they said, I'm so sorry, I hate the way my life is right now, I want, I want you back in my life, would you be patient enough to, to take them back? And this is the response of God in the time of their exile, in the time of their punishment, in the time of their rebellion, and they're crying out to God in despair. This is God's response through, Jeremiah, through Isaiah the prophet. Can you go one? Is there one before that? No? Okay. In Isaiah... It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that in the rebellion and the rejection of him, that through Isaiah, God says, this will be the sign to you that a virgin will conceive and you will call his name Emmanuel. God's response to the rebellion and rejection was that he was already planning to give his own son to save Israel from the rebellion and their sin. Isaiah also says, you can go to that next slide, for unto us, and this is how we enter now into the Christmas season, unto us a child is born Unto us the Son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called. Let's all say it together. Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Can we have the worship team come up? We're going to sing a song, and then we're going to go into part two. We're singing a song so you don't go to sleep. <laughs> so God gives his, uh, the promise of his son, the greatest gift that he could ever give, the the craziest response to a rebellious people. He, he goes beyond just forgiving them. He says, I'm going to give you the greatest gift that you've ever received. I'm going to give you my own son. And how do you think Israel responds to this gift? Let's read the response to this gift. Can you, can you put that slide up? John 1, 10. He was in the world, Jesus. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Can we all stand and we're going to sing this song together before going into part two.
stand for the Lord. You can be seated. Okay, part two. And this is good. This is going to be good. Tell your neighbor this is going to be good. Don't go to sleep. So, what happened when God gave his son? Did his people accept his son? No, we know that he was not just only rejected, but that he was crucified by the people that he was given to as a gift. In Romans 11.25, so this is 2,000 years ago, 0 AD, the, the Jews forsake, forsake um, Jesus, and they crucify him. But Paul says this, he says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, what does it say? All Israel will be saved. Right now, the reason why we are all worshiping God and we all love the Lord and we're celebrating Christmas and Christmas is being celebrated across the world is because Israel rejected Jesus and the gospel went from Jerusalem to the ends of the world. And we are not Jews. We're Jews in spirit, but we are Gentiles that have received the promise because the Jews rejected it. And it says, until the full number of Gentiles has come in, we're a part of that. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. Let's read the next scripture together, Romans 11, 11 and 12. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world, for us, and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their full inclusion bring? Isn't this cool stuff? So can go to the next slide. If you... If you look at what happened when the gospel was shared and it was rejected by the Jews, in Acts 16.6, uh, 16, it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. God forbid them to go to the east. He told them to go to the west. And in scripture, it says that the coming of the Son of Man will be like the sun going from the east to the west. And if you track the gospel, the gospel has gone around the world historically from the time of Christ from east to west. Let's look at it. You can go to the next slide. History of the church in the early church, the 1300s, 1500s, 1600s, the hot spot of Christianity was in Europe for 1,700 years. After that, you can go to the next slide, it went from Europe to America, and these are a list of all the great revivals recorded in history. The Great Awakening, the Restoration Movement, Pentecost, Israel becomes a nation, the hot spot becomes America, so it was Europe, and it goes from east to west to America for 300 years, then what happens? What's the next hot spot? The fall of the Iron Curtain, revival in China, 
the hotspot becomes Asia for the next 20 years. And you can go to the next slide. This is a, a graph of, a density graph of the gospel in China, and you can see the darker regions are places that the gospel of hundreds of millions of believers are now occupying that part of China. And then as you go from east to west, you can see that it's lighter because that's the direction that the gospel is traveling. You can go to this last slide. This is, this is Israel. This is a place that uh, we've been to several times. And we went to the city of David, Jerusalem. And this is a picture of uh, of the Mount Olives on that side where Jesus, it was said that he was uh, taken to heaven, but where this picture is taken from is the city of David. And I want to read the scripture of what it says about the city of David and Jerusalem. You can go to, go to the next one, please. Let's read this together. And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication then they will look on me, whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. If you, if you go into scripture, Jesus says that who, much is for, who, who is forgiven much loves much. And Jesus' response over and over and over again was extravagant love. He sent his son, and his son was rejected by his own people, but it says that one day that the spirit of grace is going to fall on the city of David, on Jerusalem, and his own people that he's been pursuing for all of history will finally open their eyes, and they will see Jesus for who he is, the Son of God, the sacrifice the promised Messiah that they've been looking for all of their life, all of history, and they say that they'll be overcome with grief, they'll be overcome with repentance, and they'll mourn for what they have done in rejecting the gift of God. I, was, I want to play a video for you. And this video, when we went to, when we went to Jerusalem, we were taken around by a Messianic Jew, one of the first Messianic Jews that repented, his parents repented and believed the gospel and began to share with other Jews and other people in Israel that Jesus is the Messiah. And when he first started doing it, he said that, that the hate for Christians in, in Israel is tangible. You'll be disowned by your parents. You'll be cast out of society. It, it, they said there's certain sins and Parents would want their kids to be Muslim before Christian. But they were a small handful of Jews that started spreading the word of God. And this group of Messianic Jews have started to share the gospel, and it has grown exponentially over the years. And this video that I'm going to show you is a man named Jacob Aaron. And he's a worship leader, and he's a Jew, and he got converted and he's, he went to the city of David, the, the Tower of David, and as a Messianic Jew and all the people in his banner are Jews, they're singing a song that we sing during Christmas. 
but they're singing it as Jews, and they're saying, O come, O come, Emmanuel. It's so powerful when I watched it because this extravagant love that God has pursuing relentlessly this people that have constantly rejected him over and over and over again. Now, a veil is being lifted from their eyes and they're beginning to see the love of God that was made manifest in his son, Jesus Christ. This people that God loves so much is now beginning to love him back because love is patient. Can we watch that video?
we give the Lord a hand. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Can we all stand? We're going to close with a song. How many of you are grateful for the relentless love of God that pursues us? And the amazing thing about this, and this is how I want to close it, is if God has this kind of patience toward a nation that lasts thousands and thousands of years, 6,000 years since his original intent, and he's never given up, but every been generous, been blessing the people, promises of blessing, promises in the future, and in every instance, the nation has turned away, turned away, rejected, rebelled, and God's response is constantly relentless love toward this people for thousands of years. What offense can you do that's greater than that? God revealed his love 2,000 years ago in the life of his son, Jesus Christ, and there's nothing that you can do that will keep him from promising and pursuing you to the end of the earth. His love for you is deep. His love for you is wide. It's unexplainable, and it's the greatest gift that he could ever give, and it's the greatest gift that you could ever receive. It's the love of God. We're going to worship the Lord this, this afternoon or this morning and celebrate the goodness of God. God, we just thank you, Lord, for what you've done, that you've relentlessly pursued us with a great love that knows no bounds. This gift of Christmas is more than just the story that we hear in a manger, but it's a timeless story of love that spans from the beginning of time to the end. And God, thank you that if you are that relentless in your love for your people, Israel, that you are even more patient and loving with us. And we want to worship you for who you are this morning in Jesus' name. Can we worship him today? The name Emmanuel means God with you. And I am here to heal those hurts. Just surrender the pain to me, open up to me, and let me bring healing to your hearts, to your family. And Lord, um, it's revealing to me, there's many here. You have lost ones, family that are walking with the Lord. And you've been praying, and you've been praying, and you've been praying, and God's heard your prayers. And just remember, he loves them more than you do, and he's calling their names. So don't give up the prayers, but don't think they're lost, because he has found them. So let's, let's pray. Lord God, we just lift up. I've done this before. Put those loved ones in your hand right now. That daughter, that grandchild, that brother, that sister, that son. And say to the Lord, Father God, you are their father. They may not know it, but you are their father. 
and I give them to you. Only you can touch them the way that you can. And I release that to you, Father God. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. I really believe that that was a word from the Lord, that this whole story of Christmas is a story of a father pursuing their kid, a father pursuing his nation, his people. And he is not going to stop until that nation accepts him. And in the same way, he's called all of the Samaritan that same love to those that have walked away, those that have rebelled. And the Christmas message is a message of hope that love will prevail, that love can turn the heart of even the hardest person because God is able. Amen? Amen. Can we give a hand to the Lord and thank him for his faithfulness? Can we end in celebration and sing joy to the world on this?